right, welcome to the Nitty Gritty Thanksgiving Day episode. No, this is week after. After Thanksgiving Day episode. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's Cyber Monday episode. Yeah, so put us in your ears when you're looking for crappy deals on Amazon <laughs> for things that none of us need, but because they're in the daily deal section. You're going to get it. Exactly. Because it's not how much money you spent, it's how much money you, you saved. <laughs> Yep. That that is how you lead everything. That's Jenna's number one thing. Guess how much money I saved today? <laughs> it's like, hold on. The, what you're saying, what I'm understanding, isn't the same thing. Like the G wagon was twenty grand off. Yeah, Can I you s- believe it? I well, saved was it? twenty thousand. Well, that doesn't matter. <laughs> it was twenty thousand off of sticker. But what was sticker? You're not. You're not. You're not understanding me. me. <laughs> I saved twenty grand. You should be proud of me. Oh, man. So go save some money. Yeah, go save some money on Cyber Monday. Help our economy because we need it. And go buy it from a store. If there's a store, put your mask on. Go buy it from a store because we don't want to lose anymore. And order food from restaurants. There was a, So I just got back from New Orleans. I just got back last night at midnight. I went to watch Taysom's first start in the NFL, which was awesome. But I think the most eye-opening part about it was how different New Orleans was because of the pandemic. What was different? It was sad. Why? A lot of boarded up. Like a lot of restaurants are gone. Really? Like there was quite a few places closed in the even the airport, you know, brand new airport. But See, that's what's crazy. Out here where we live in Utah Valley, you can feel it, but you don't really see it. Right. You no, know, there like, are massive downtown, like famous restaurants in New Orleans that are completely gone, totally boarded up. There's a huge sports bar there called Walk-Ons right on Poydras Street, which is the street the Superdome's on. It's like everything around the Superdome, like that's where you see it hit the hardest. Yeah. But there's no tourists there. So we always go to Harris, play a little blackjack. That's kind of our fun little thing. And it was so different. Like there were still a lot of people in there, but they were more, it was more locals. And then we went over to Bourbon Street just because we wanted to kind of see what was different there. And there were a bunch of boarded up places on Bourbon Street. And it was just, it had been taken over kind of by the riffraff locals. There weren't tourists there. It was just, it was darker. It was dirtier. It was... And that's saying something for Bourbon Street. <laughs> uh, totally right. Like it was just very, very different. Yeah. Like it. Usually, you go on Bourbon Street, and you nobody would feel out of place, right? Because there's a little bit of absolutely everything. But we stuck out like sore thumbs, and it was just. I was offered drugs three times in the casino, four times on Bourbon Street, and in the four years I've been going to New Orleans. I've never, ever been off for drugs once. Wow. So, like, the drug dealers are out. Like, the cops, I didn't see a single cop on Bourbon Street, which normally there's, like, horses on Bourbon Street, you know, every couple blocks. It, it, there's just kind of an eerie, hmm. dark, darker feeling about New Orleans than, like, I, it, yeah, maybe. Like, it, I don't know. It just, I love New Orleans, and it's one of the nicest, like, People are nice, very, very nice, and they and they were still nice to the, for the most part. But the drug thing was really weird to me. 
like it, full blown yeah. like hey i got cocaine i got like you know not like just, asking if you want some weed no i mean i'm sure they had that because <laughs> that that's the other thing actually there weed was everywhere like we smelled more weed out in public than we ever have before there i mean that's a fairly normal smell for there but it was even i don't know man there's just something it's really sad like it it you really feel it there a lot more than you do here. Yeah. Like we have it pretty good here, but at some point, I mean, just having that stadium, not at full capacity, it was so weird to just be able to drive right up to the stadium yesterday. No traffic parking was, you know, 20 bucks. We just parked right across the street. Game ended. We just pulled out, went to the airport. Like no, normally it is just, well, it's gridlocked. Yeah. Because it's, you know, the dome is, the streets are small leading into it. Anyway. So, yeah, it just freaked me out because it's, we've got to get, we got to change something because it's, I don't think we can handle much more of this stuff, the economy. Because if you think of all these bigger cities, I mean, uh, New th- Orleans really isn't that big of a city. It's, it's, no, it's not. I would call it a medium sized city, kind of like ours, but, whew. It's taking its toll. For sure. You know, you hope that, you hope that the vaccine comes out and it works. Right. And that things lighten up a little bit. But yeah, it's been, it's been tough. And it's, it's interesting when you can, like we said, you can actually see it. Yeah. Worth a lot of times, unless you know what's happening, you don't, might not understand. Right. Well, you know, but and actually seeing boarded up businesses. Yeah. You yeah, know. here we've been probably lucky, and maybe that's why everybody here thinks it's a big conspiracy or something, because it's like, well, everything's working the way it always has, but it's like, I think we have people here really fighting hard to keep things open, but yeah. when you go to a different place, I'm not saying, I don't know that I'm saying that we need to take it more seriously. I think we're already doing that. I just think that it I can't decide. I think we're at that point now where it's like we either just need to be okay with just living with it and getting herd immunity and just staying open because I don't see how you stop this. The vaccine thing freaks me out because... Why? Only because we haven't even figured out how to test for this properly. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? But we have a vaccine in six months. Like, they've been trying to create a vaccine for flu viruses for 100 years. But we fixed this one in six months. I don't know. It just, something's weird to me about this whole thing. Because I just don't see how, I mean, even masks, like testing centers, masks. Like, how is it that we don't have rapid testing for everybody at Walgreens? That's what's wild to me. Is yeah. That we don't have better testing out here yet. I mean, 10 months. You know? 10 months we've been dealing with this. Well, what's crazy is there are so many like, you know, like at first, the only testing you heard is, you know, when they poked your brain. Right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. now you talk to, you know, like people 17 that are, different types. They're doing the spit. They're doing this. They're doing that. Some right. are rapid tests. You know, the, the Warriors, their owners announced that they're trying to open at at least 50% capacity. And they said they're going to do rapid testing for every fan who wants to come to a game and know within minutes if they have it. Right. But but they're like we'll spend like the owner they said like they're going to spend like thirty million dollars of their own money, wow. for that type of testing to allow fans into the arena. But see that 
how much how many millions would you lose if you didn't do that well no it's a, it's a like they're still gonna make they're, a, bis- they're businessmen so it's a good investment right. for them but it's wild that that type of stuff isn't more readily available yeah we should all be able to get that stuff because if if we all were just able to pee on a stick or whatever just a little like you know blood poke whatever test i would think that that'd be way easier to come up with in a vaccine like why aren't people making those more everyone would buy those yeah like that would be an awesome and it would keep people home because how many people i mean this is how you and i got it andrew was the person just thought it was a different just like oh i just thought it was a sinus infection or cold or whatever so but i mean we're to the point now where it's like well anytime i want to go to some event like i want to just be able to test myself yeah i mean if we all had a couple hundred of those things sitting in our house we could just know exactly if we have it or we don't have it and stay home if we do yeah you wonder like between the spending the money on the vaccine or spending money on more available testing oh would, testing like would what would help better. more i don't know I think it's still a, me- a mix of the two. I think the at risk. Yeah, Brent, people you're do. right. The accuracy of the testing is still always, you know, sure. debatable. It, well, yeah, very <laughs> debatable. And getting incentivized to take a test from a door knocker. <laughs> they have heard that episode now, right? Jason's out right now. Yeah, I was so shocked by that. I've always thought that there was some some number padding going on, and. The only incentive, I guess, is federal money, right? I mean, if you're in a state of emergency, you get federal funding. But the only reason that makes sense is that they're really trying to test who, like, how many are asymptomatic, right? Right. Uh, that, but that, that was pretty early, though. It was. Right? But like that would be the only way you would know would be to have a lot of these people who don't think they have it to test, so you can get right. an idea of that number. But I don't know. Yeah. What's that? You have used a lot of things. <laughs> research facility. Uh, I'm just kidding. Yeah, but for those of you that didn't listen to last week, Jason Dunnigan, Modern Dad, their whole family tested positive, right? But they took the test because somebody from the U of U knocked on their door and offered everybody in the house a $10 gift card to get tested. Uh, that was so weird to me. Like... I, I don't, I would have told them, get the hell off my porch. Like you want to come in. I mean, they're taking your DNA They're I, I don't know. To me, that's just a big privacy issue. I wouldn't trust that at all. But I mean, they, they got a positive, they quarantined for two weeks, but nobody ever showed a single symptom. Yeah. And so that's the other weird thing about this is we're still at the point where so many, the heavy, heavy majority of people don't feel much. I mean, it's not that hard for them. And I realize it's really hard for a few people, but I don't think that we have struck the right balance of our, like it'll be interesting taking care of our economy and taking care of them. It'll be interesting if we ever learn what causes it to be so serious in some people, you know, I can't believe we haven't like, I know I made a vaccine, but we still don't know. You see, doesn't that all kind of freak you out a little bit? I think, I think it's just kind of intention and where they feel like the biggest push is going to come from. So that's where they put all their focus and resources. That's not a good tinfoil hat answer, Andrew. (laughs) We're trying to create drama here. No, I'm just kidding. 
No, and you're right. I, I and I get it. So, but uh, there's also a ton of money in it, for sure. And right, and they're all private companies too. Right, which I actually think is the the right move. Wait, is Pfizer a private company? They're not government. Oh, I see. Is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. like we're not we're not depending on the government to come up with all this stuff. Yeah, that'd be even worse. So they've already made enough mistakes. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting because some people. Yeah, I mean, even close neighbors. Some people have had it super young. I mean, it wiped them out for weeks. Yeah. Other people get it, and you don't even know what's happening with it, right? Right. My like my mom, she just had a neighbor pass away. Like he got it, thought he was over it. And then literally within hours, like passed away. Crazy. Like, so it is, it's just. How do we not know the pattern? And why aren't we bombing China? Oh gosh. What? <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> where did this that come was a... from? <laughs> <laughs> no, so I was thinking the other day, this, oh this, that was a joke, everybody relax. But it was created in a bioweapon facility, right? Like, is this not an act of war? Oh, no. Let's move on. No, 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 no. I, I, don't I think wanna, that's I don't an interesting question. <laughs> Why not? Like, if it was made as a weapon, like, it has crippled the whole world. Don't you think somebody should be held accountable for it? The bombing China thing was a joke. Just everyone relax. I cook barbecue, okay? <laughs> but I, I was thinking the other day, nobody's really, like, paid the piper for this. Like, and I think that's weird. Because that whoever created it did a really good job. We don't know like how it affects different people. We can't. We don't recognize the pattern. I mean, it is totally a movie. I mean, those movies about pandemics. It just started small and just spread, and it's not slowing down. And so I don't know. I'm just. I find it interesting that we're not talking about where it came from and what they're doing to be held responsible. It's because there's not a. There's no unbiased sources of information to know what, what what's point. real and what's not real because we're not privy to it somebody knows there's a lot of people who will give you their opinions on it and depending what right. they believe what that all that kind of stuff it will lean one way or the other sure and so that's that that's what makes it hard is it has become it's it's the most divisive thing that's you know See, and that's the sad thing generally in this country when there's a national emergency or tragedy it like binds us. Well, and it did at first. If you remember when it first happened, it did. Really? Mm-hmm. See, I feel like they talked. I mean, they talked about that. Like everyone was coming together, trying to fight in it. Like everyone. Was, I guess that's true. Everyone was trying to figure this stuff out. That's true. But I. But then the election probably ruined all that. Well, I think everyone went into it with such, whether unrealistic or just unknowing expectations. Some people are like, oh, we're going to do this, and in two weeks it's going to be over. Right. So let's all come together. That's the other thing. Why do they keep using the two-week thing? Because you're right. We keep having that feeling. And it's to the point now where it's like nobody takes it seriously. It's like we just need a two-week circuit breaker. Okay. What about like the other two-week circuit breaker or the one before that? And the numbers don't slow. Have they? I mean, the news just puts in the headline how many cases there are. They never – you have to like read all the way to the bottom to see how many they tested and all that, but – I don't know. I feel like that's why I kind of feel like it's a train you can't really stop unless you either just go herd immunity and just we just learn to live with it like we do with all the different strains of the flu and other things that we've had 
or I guess we just do the vaccine. But the vaccine, that's the one area where I'll put my foil hat on because <laughs> I just I just feel it I just feel that it's weird that I mean I do like what you said, it's where the intention is. But I still feel like there are so many smaller easier steps that could help that no one's really fit. testing being the biggest one. So I don't know. I mean it's a huge like is somebody looking at this saying, we are going to make so much money off of this. We just got to keep it relevant. Testing life money, though, too. Well, right. It totally does. And but so, I mean, that vaccine, two shots. But the election, too, I mean, that's another one that probably made it. Because it gave both well, sides ammo, right? It turned into a political right. argument, which is super unfortunate that it made people go. And just like with everything, it no longer was like, I'm here. I'm not on the left or on the right it's like i am you either don't care about life or you are <laughs> yeah yeah a you're either sheep, a murderer right you're, and, yeah you're the sheep thing's funny there's so, a lot of that sheep talking like you're, you talk. you're you're either one or the other right i think we just need to get back on each other's team yes right and just we just got to help each other out the mask thing's not hard i still think it's somewhat silly because nobody really wears masks right like it was so funny in the airplane how anal they were about keeping the masks like over your nose, but like your mask right now, Brent, is totally loose around your nose. Like it'll just go like right up through, which most people are wearing it like that. So it's just I don't know, just another thing for humans to complain about. But enough about that. Let's have some fun. This okay, let's have fun. This was definitely not the goal. Let's of talk this. about how overpaid athletes are. <laughs> I know where you're going. Spider. It, I, I think it's, do you think it will ever get to a point where we see these contracts as human beings? I want an unbiased answer. This is like, I'm not, this isn't an argument. I don't, I'm not for or against it. So you're it. asking for an unbiased answer about the jazz? No, 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 not about the jazz. I was going to say, you're talking this to the wrong general. person. Spider's, his contract extension is just kind of, just reminded me okay. that this this is a topic that I've been thinking about for a few years and I and I wrestle with it because one I love sports athletes deserve their fair share of the money being created yeah. by organizations but I also know that I paid $250 to go to a football game yesterday yeah and so it's at what point do we as fans, and I know this has been around for a long time, but I think right now, I think it's more relevant than it has been in a long time because I feel like there's more class separation in the U.S. right now than there has been in a long, long time. Okay. That, um, the, you, the wealth gap is real. Yes. Like the, the New Orleans was really interesting because the parts of town that are more higher end were just bustling still. Restaurants were full. Like everyone's out and about. It, Did you go to our breakfast spot? No. Oh, so no. hour and a half wait. Oh, so we went. Oh, it's so good. Are you talking Ruby Slipper or Toast? Toast. Yeah, Toast is amazing. So we went Ruby Slipper, which is another really good one. Okay. But the wait was really long. But it's, I don't know. So I'm on the plane last night and I read about Donovan Mitchell's contract extension. Congratulations. You know... <laughs> The amount of money athletes are getting paid, it's not their fault. I agree. Like, they 
they create so much revenue for the teams. Yeah. And so they are worth that percentage of the investment. Yeah. So I'm going p- beyond that. Okay. If if you can afford to pay him, what's the number? 40 million a year? 30, 40 million like a year? Average is like 39 mil. <laughs> I, I mean, how much is the organization itself making? And it's like, well, have there, sports become... Well, there's a number in the CBA where the players get X amount percentage of revenue and okay. then the organization... You know what it is? No. I mean, we can look it up really quick, but that was like, that's one of the big things in like the collective bargaining agreement. Um, I feel like it goes... It just goes so much deeper than the pro level. I think it trickles all the way down. There's so many people that... So like in the NFL, the players receive 48%. Let's see what the NBA is. 57%. That's crazy. So what's the average median income right now in the U.S.? 30? 30K? Let's ask. Let's ask the Google. Let's ask Google. Keep going on your thought. I'm. At what point does an athlete's salary become... 70 grand. So... Wait, that's nationwide? Yeah. Median income? Yeah. That's actually a lot higher than I thought it would be. But at what point do fans just go, that is out of control? So let me flip it on you. How is that different than any other business? Well, it's not. I'm just talking about sports. I, know. I agree with you. No, but so my my response to your question is... When you look at it from a business standpoint, it's Jeff Bezos. Right. How much money did he make? Oh, je- oh, it's. But it's like, so does that mean we stop shopping at Amazon? It's. I feel like it's a little different because to go to a ball game, right? It shouldn't cost what it's costing. Oh, I agree. It's costing what but it's, it's costing. It, but it's supply and demand, right? Yes. And so as long as people are willing to pay it. Well, and they are right now. I'm just saying at what point are we getting to a point where people. It's it's for sure pricing the average fan out. If oh, that, it's pricing me out. You and know I, I mean? don't make the median income. Like I do better than that. Yeah. But going to a jazz game lower bowl against the worst team in the league is 300 bucks. Mm-hmm. And that's just. I think the saddest part for me is youth sports. Like, that's the problem is I want to take my kids to games like we all did. Yeah. Right now, I don't ever take them on trips or take them to games because I don't want to waste a two or $300 ticket on a kid. Yeah. Who's probably not going to pay attention. But $195 million at early 20s for five years of playing basketball. Oh no, the numbers are crazy. It is absolutely insane to me. Like, especially with the class division there is right now. I think the middle class is kind of disappearing. And so I just wonder at what point do fans say, I can't relate to that. Or I think it's ridiculous that I have to pay this so you can pay him or her or whoever yeah an amount of money that i will never see i won't even make 10 percent of that money if i live another hundred years 
I know it's hard because it, depending on it also depends on the market, right? I mean, players can get paid that, but you know, like when we went out to the New Orleans game to watch the Jazz Pelicans, right? You know, we got front row sure seats for really cheap, and it's because no one goes to games out there. Yeah, and it's so, kind of a trip. And so that's your, so to your point, the market there it's just a supply and a demand thing. Like they'll continue to charge as long as people are willing to pay. I don't agree with it, and I would love it if they didn't, right? Because to your point, I think you'd get. In Utah specifically, you wouldn't get more fans because they sell out sure. every game no matter what. You know, but right. it would be awesome if it was more affordable. Um Does it, it hurt the sport in general? Uh, so I ultimately I think that's that's what I care about is I would say no, because if you look, it's been nothing but grow. This is the first year that all sports across the board right. revenues are down because of corona. A lot of the social justice things, you but know. But how many kids are making it now the way that they used to? What do you mean? Going to whatever high school you live in. Like, you live in that boundary. You play, like, you don't grow up in club basketball. Like, everything has become super specialized. Like, we've talked about this a lot. Yeah. It, it's almost getting to the point where you have to be wealthy to make it in a sport as well. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's my fear is that we're well, just going to create more separation. Well, what do you mean? I guess I don't understand what you're asking. Okay, so like when you say play, make it, like, to like the NBA, it, yeah, Division One, yeah, Division One, Pro, whatever. I would imagine that over these next few years, and it's probably been already happening. Like baseball, there's no city t-ball anymore. There's no. I mean, there is, but it's grass fields and it's spray painted bases and it's, Mm -hmm. it's a joke really. Like if you want your kid to make it in baseball or basketball or volleyball, anything, anything now you have to pay thousands and thousands of dollars to get them into a specialized program that goes year around. Mm -hmm. And we are, to me, that's closing the door on millions of people that will never have enough to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if it's and if we're setting that precedent at the top and we're paying See, I love it. I think athletes should be very wealthy, especially if they're successful. And of course, I I'm always torn in this whole like we've talked about this a lot before. This I never want to get to the other side of Atlas Shrugged, you know, where I'm just <laughs> like, you know, wealth uh, distribution because yeah. that's not how it goes. Like Donovan Mitchell has worked his ass off. He's a great ambassador to the game. He's a fan favorite. He's an absolute talent. He should make more than 90% of the NBA for sure. But where we're already dealing with so much division and just our current climate as it is, I guess what I want to, I want to make sure that kids that have the talent or have the ability, if they have the ability slash drive to get there, how do we make it so they can? Because right now we're pushing all those people so that out. So that question right now is the reason we have student loan debt. Interesting. Because that's what was happening in higher education. Which is kind of like the mortgage crisis, right? Mm-hmm. Well, 2008, like just giving any everybody, like everybody should be able to get a home. 
Yeah, a little, yeah. And so the question of like, how do we make it more accessible? That's how they tried to make higher education more accessible was these government grants to make it so people, if you didn't have the money, you could right. still do it and hopefully like it leads to better jobs. Well, the problem though is the good, right? Usually it's all usually a double-edged sword, kind of your greatest strength is also usually your greatest weakness. Right. And so with America specifically, our wealth is our greatest strength and our greatest weakness. And so people are making so much money that, yeah, we can do these programs like, you know, the school loans, you know, right. But it doesn't solve anything because there's still so much money out there. So like with kids, like let's just use, let's circle all the way back around. Let's use the jazz. Let's say they dropped all of their ticket prices to a hundred bucks a seat. Right. Well, what would happen is the people who would then make money are the people who could afford or have the connections to buy those. And then they would flip them for the same price they're doing now. Right. Because if people are willing to pay that now, they're going to continue to be willing to pay those down the road. And so it doesn't really do anything. What it does is it takes the money out of the league's hands and takes it away from the people who are providing the value. And it turns it into a flippers game. So that's where all the wealth is created there. Cause that, I mean, I mean, it's a flippers game still. Even yeah. with prices, and that's why, you know, to buy a StubHub seat, it's it's so expensive because they started expensive. Yeah. I mean, but. But that's what's so hard is, like, there there isn't an answer to, like, how do you make it more accessible? Because when you try. Well, see, I'm not talking about that. When I mean accessible, I mean, I want kids in low-income areas to be able to have. And so, but that's my point is there are, you just said it, there are rec leagues that are free or inexpensive, but what's happened is if you do want your kid to do something else and there are the financial means, then there's always going to be that next option. What's happened is that next option has become the norm now. Yes. And as long as there's money, that's not going away. Sure. You know, cause like if you want to give, and this is the, the, you know, we've talked about this a lot on with kids sports and how crazy I think it is, but it's just like with technology, you can argue about it and you can complain about it, but it's not going anywhere. No. And you're right. And, but see, that's the apathy. I don't want to see like, there's gotta be a balance between, you know, the hardcore like wealth distribution, right. And then capitalism, there's gotta be something in the middle that makes, I just hate to see people, I guess left out for things that they don't have any control over. Yeah, it's not fair. It, it it's it's not fair, and it's. But I don't the, I don't know. This I, is what's so hard about this conversation, though, is because that's why people talk about, you know, the government should provide funding for certain people, right? Some see, people, I don't think it's the government. Some people that's call that. Sure socialism some people call that that's totally giving, socialism. giving everybody a fair shake right? that's socialism <laughs> let's be honest and so and it doesn't work and it, but see i think that that it's hard to relate that to athletics because that's ultimately what i'm it's talking not about the same but it's it, not but the it same. is the same conversation totally, totally you know right. what i mean and it's, so like with athletics i think the biggest problem that we have is parents put too much emphasis on college athletics becoming a pro yeah, isn't that weird you know because it's like even if you get and you are a d1 athlete 
like this is where I struggled. This is where I struggled in college. So I, you know, like I decided I don't, it wasn't worth a full-time job because being an athlete is more than a full-time job oh, with yeah. all the Especially practice now. and working out, you know? So for me, it was like, I wanted to get on with my life and, you know, get to the next stage. And so that's what's so hard. It's like, it's awesome, but it isn't everything. Right. And so like for my kids, like I want them to find success in athletics and, but if they don't play college sports, that's okay. For sure. But that's what very few people feel that way. Right. Isn't that interesting? You know? See, and that's what I, and that's kind of what I hate. Like I hate that sports is turning into. Everything is. And you're right. You're right. That's what's sad. Like I think it, sports stands out to me just because it's something that, that we're involved in. that we love, right? Yeah. And it's I just hate to see Yeah, we are like we are squeezing the life out of or we're squeezing every last drip out of everything. We're we're not the when it comes down to it. So Jenna has this phrase at the end of one of our hallways and it's good for me. It's a reminder and it says let them be little. Yeah. We're not letting yeah. our kids be little. Right. Like as they're growing up, we're expecting them to train and eat a certain, like, you know, That's like, it, like, yeah. like an eight, nine year old. It's like, okay, have you taken your protein shake yet today? Have you done all your exercise? It's like, holy cow, at eight years old, right? at nine years old, 10, 11, 12, 13, like, is that, you know, but you're just going to burn them out before but they that's what get, they're doing. Right. And so ultimately you have to decide, but, and here's the thing. Every person has their version of it and that's Okay. Right. And like, that's, that's what I've come to the conclusion of. It's like, that's not what I want, but if that's what you want, that's fine. Right. You know, I'm okay with that. And so, so much psychology to that, just everything that you just said, like, what is it that is making or pushing us to do that with our kids? Is it, are they something to show off on social media or brag about, or are we all feeling like, I don't know. Trying to keep up. Depressed or trying to keep up with the Joneses. Another great. Or the kids absolutely loving it. And so you're providing them the best opportunity for them to succeed. That's right. the thing. There's an argument on every angle of it. Well, and there's, I'm sure, I wonder how those break down. Like if you go and you sit with a club soccer team full of 12 year olds, it'd be really funny to be able to label the parent like this one <laughs> wants to show off their kid. This one got cut as a sophomore in high school and wants to like and be better than that through so his kid. What's funny is it's usually pretty obvious. I guess that's true too. Like you, you get around the parents and it's usually really obvious right? why the kids are where they are right? and why they're doing what they're doing. It's so, yeah, it's so crazy. I don't know. I guess I knew that I'd be coming into this just spitballing because it's just so new. I guess I just see that kind of money and I just go, we're, we're going, I don't know. I, I don't like it. It's not an envy thing. It's not, it just seems like people are barely scraping by right now. And we're paying basketball players, 200 million, $200 million. Well, yeah. In five years. I mean, what was the baseball contract? $350 million. Right. But that was like a 20 or 15 year deal. Yeah. This is five. And, and in the NBA, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think you told me this, but they don't really have. It's not like football where no, only it's all a guaranteed. chunk is guaranteed. No, like it, Donovan's, like 163 of it is almost guaranteed. Oh, I think. I mean, 
and it's because there's less of them. That's the justification. There's right, you know, there's less players on a roster, so there's less, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's only five guys on a court. Where football, you have twenty two. Baseball, you have nine. Right, and so right. I mean, you have you have different arguments for why that is the way it is. But I mean, I agree. The money is excessive and like that kind of amount that is and should be generational type wealth. Oh yeah. Right now for a lot of them, we've learned that it's not. Well, and how much, so that, that's a question for you. How much of this, cause that's the other thing is we'd ever factor in inflation, like what the dollar is worth right now compared to 10 years ago. Yeah. I imagine it's, that makes a difference, right? Well, of course. I mean, look at, I always use McDonald's for inflation. <laughs> Extra value meals are like $10 now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what the freak? But, you know, $10 is $5 15 years ago. So it's... It's a stupid argument, but $50 million today is not $50 million 20 years ago. Absolutely right. You know what I mean? And right. So, so how much tax... So out of $195 million, not counting good accountants and loopholes and offshore accounts, like 30 40%? would be gone oh i mean so what's crazy about the nba so they get taxed in every state they that, play oh, that's right so it's different and so that trickles out but like let's just say but he's in the western conference or he's in the west I so mean, that's got to help let's say it was the lakers and it was california tax you're going right. to lose 50 percent of that oh my gosh to taxes right right and so so the government's stoked when these guys sign oh yeah huge contracts it's a lot of tax so and, i mean there all, we could say that they're, they're giving all, back right <laughs> <laughs> and if they're Mormon, you know, there's 10%. I mean, Donovan could build 600 temples <laughs> tomorrow. I just, and that's it. Like he it deserves is. it. I, I think every team would be lucky to have a Donovan Mitchell. He seems, is it more money than he needs? Yes. And they'll all admit to it. It's so much more money than he needs. But here's the problem that like, cause I, I had the same argument with the buddy over specifically Jeff Bezos. Cause he's like, when is enough enough? Oh, they're out of control. The, you know, but like right. all, all these CEOs and these business, you know, like when is enough enough? Like you're making hundreds of millions of dollars a year. You're, I mean, right. your net worth is increasing by billions of dollars every year. Like when is enough enough? And who is that to say? Yeah. I right. Don't know. And so like that's where ultimately capitalism is. The market will tell you when that time is. See, that's the thing. You can't get mad at a guy like Jeff Bezos and then keep shopping at Amazon. I just wonder if that day will ever come though. You know what I mean? Like Amazon has almost become a monopoly in the sense that there's not a lot of other options to buy things. I mean, there's Walmart, but that's another one. <laughs> you know, the, that's four more people on the top 10 richest in the world list. Uh -huh. But I just wonder if we'll ever get to the point where what's crazy. And the reason I love those examples though, and even like a Donovan is as crazy as it is. These people came from nowhere. Right. And so that's the beauty of our nation and capitalism is anybody can get to that point. Now, the odds are stacked against you, and the odds of it happening are well, they're much numb. more stacked against you in other places, sure, right? Like, and that's oh, for sure, but, and and that's life. It unfortunately, there's you know, I'm I'll never get to the socialism thing, right? It's not like no, everyone should have the same. That's just life doesn't work that way, but and so that's why, like, could we do more to help? We can't, and the, I think the other thing is a lot of these guys they don't 
get credit for all the stuff they do to give back. Right. Like LeBron started a school. Like I'm not a LeBron fan. Like let it be known. I'm not a LeBron fan. Right. But the dude started and funds a school for the inner he, city. He grows on me a little more every year. You know what I mean? Like the stuff that they're doing and even Donovan, like, yeah, he's this guy, but he'll stop in a parking lot and get out and take a picture with someone. Oh no, I like, love Donovan. Mitchell. You know, so these guys, what they do to give back and they're all learning too. We had this talk about, you know, like with the social justice thing, like they're, they're, they're all finding their voice. I mean, Donovan's in his early twenties. He's a young man right. that's never had this kind of money or platform. Right. And like, I may not agree with what he says all of the time, but I'm going to give him credit for being willing to stand up and talk about it and learn. Well, just like we would treat any other 20 year old, like they're, they're in their twenties. They're yeah. going to be a little fiery. Mm-hmm. They're still learning. Uh, see, and I have zero like, problem with that. And I don't think that we should expect, I don't even think that sh- he should be held to a different standard than any other 23 year old because of his money. Yeah. Like, look, that's what, like you said, that's what the market demands a player of his caliber is, and I would even argue that I'd rather him make this money than a lot of other people in the NBA. Cause he seems like a really good guy. Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with it yet. <laughs> I I just feel myself getting to the point. Like I was reading, uh, me and Dodger, my son, Dodger, I'm saying that for the listeners, of course, <laughs> your nephew, <laughs> We were talking about this the other day. We were we were doing calculator on Ronaldo and Messi's money, yeah. like what they make a day. And I mean, these were just guesses because I don't really know what they're making in and in you know um, endorsements. Yeah. And but I I won't make. I mean, in a couple of these cases, it would take me five years to make what they make in a day. Mm-hmm. A day, and so. That means somebody above them is making even more than that. Do we love sports so much that we're willing to provide those types of salaries and success to people? You know, right? Like we buy the jerseys, we pay three to $500 to go to a single game. Does it ever get to the point though where the fans come together and just say like enough is enough with ticket prices. No, you really don't think it not could ever chance. get there. No, because there's enough people that have enough money that it's not a big deal for them. For us spending five hundred dollars on a ticket, the guys who are paying the lower bowl, it's like they're paying five dollars for that ticket, right? Because they're making so much money in the outside world and their business or whatever it is, right? And so I don't think that it will get there. I think different markets get there in different ways. Like if you put out a crappy product, no one wants to come to your games. Like you look at these baseball stadiums pre-corona, they couldn't fit. They can't get anyone to show up. And so those players are making less because there's not revenue there. But I mean, it is something is ultimately, and this is kind of call it lazy, call it whatever you want. Like we're never going to change that. And so it's like... I think I'm, they said the same thing in 1750 <laughs> when they were paying their taxes. And they're just like, you know, this is bullshit. So, and obviously that's a joke, but. So my, my. Like the Players Association. Easy answer is no. I don't think that's ever happening. Is it no because people don't care or is it no because people just think that there's nothing they can do about it? 
neither. It's no because supply and demand. I think the demand will well, all that, basically that's what I meant with my with option A. It's like I think the people don't care because they be just they're willing to pay it. Correct. Right. Or do they get to the point where, or do it's just like government, right? Like it's just like house. Most of us don't feel like like you can have a, a million man march in front of the White House and it's probably not going to do anything. It's not going to affect any change, and that's that's unfortunate. So if it is that option if it is us thinking there's nothing we can do so just shut up watch the game on tv or pay the 500 dollars and go to the game well i don't think it's necessarily like that victim mentality it's it's not victim mentality i it's like a players association in fact there are there are times in history where fans tried unionizing right where just like the NBA has a players association that is protecting their players from, you know, the owners and the businesses or whatever. I think fans hold, and we're learning in the pandemic, just how big of a, just how big our influence is as fans. Because look at, you know, watching that video about BYU the other day, which I thought was so well done. Yeah. Like, I mean, when Patty Edwards got on at the end of that. Yeah. There may have been a tear fall down my face. <laughs> it was awesome. But one year of no ticket sales has led to them, BYU, running $20 million in the red, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, that right there says, fans, like, we definitely have a bigger voice than we think. Could it ever get to that point where fans have their own players union? And they have to work with us the way that just like a players association helps mediate between the owners and the players and make sure the players are getting treated fairly. Do we ever get the same type of process with fans? Yeah. It's a really interesting thought. I know they've tried to do it before. I want to say it was in Philadelphia that they tried to start like a, a spectator union where, you know, but it's hard with an 80,000 seat stadium. That means, you know, half of those people have to be on board and pay their dues and care yeah. enough to elect people to, to mediate, but it'll it, be, it's interesting. I mean, the other problem specifically with sports is so much of the tickets have become corporate. Like when you go very and, like, so. and, and yes. you sit lower, it's very rare that they're not owned by a th- company. that it's a name. It's usually a business that owns this and they use it as things. And so that's going back to my point. It's like, it's a very valuable investment right off. It's huge. Of it. Yeah. Because that ticket price, yeah, it's up, but it's a tax deduction. They can use it for recruiting. They can use it for company culture. And so it's a very justified expense in that business mind. And so as it goes up, as long as their business revenues go up, it's technically not costing them any more money. Sure. In fact, it's probably saving them money. And so. Right. That, uh-huh. With some of the big companies, sure. like you're saving money and taxes. Yeah. And by so taking people to sit in the front row of basketball games. So that's what's hard is like going back to I don't think it's ever going to change because I think the demand and people love sports love so them. so much. I think that's why I'm feeling this way cuz I do love them and for some reason I feel like So I think so what we've seen what's interesting talk to your point about like fans and their voice. I think what you'll see before fans like strike if you want to say that over ticket price it will be over social issues interesting 
right? Like, so we'll like, get like, like, more like, riled up about the platforms. I will say, like the NBA, like the fact that they had Black Lives Matter on their court, right, has rubbed so many fans the wrong way. Oh yeah, right. And so I think that right there cost cost them more money than any fan getting mad about a ticket price or when you know see i love the psychology like that's such a good point but what does that say about us as a country like where we're at mentally that means we we have more money than we know what to do with and so we have to pick our battles and so the financial thing to enough people isn't a thing right but But that is, is but that is I see. I think that, and I think that's sad. It's very sad. I think it's sad. It's scary too. Mm-hmm. Like that we are this. You know, I think the NBA is out of touch. I have thought that for a long time. In what way? Just you can't. I think you get to a certain level of influence and power that I mean we've seen it since the beginning of time, right? Like you lose touch with reality and you do something really stupid, and now you get canceled, right? Yeah. And so it's kind of the same thing. It's like, I don't feel like they're really thinking it through and they, I don't think sports leagues should, I think individuals, athletes, I'm all for that. But as a league to force a certain issue on its players, on its fans, I really think that it should be a politically safe space, sports. I think it should be something to bring us together, not tear us apart. It's becoming it, and so you're right. I think that's why you said that's I, something I haven't thought of. And that, like, I think it's sad that black the the words "Black Lives Matter" tears us apart. I think that's sad. Well, I but what I don't know that it's we've talked about this before too. I think the sentiment. I don't think that most people that are mad or get angry about Black Lives Matters or matter. It has anything to do with black people or being racist. I think it's the entity of Black Lives Matter, the actual yeah. 501-3C, the group, right? The term itself or the sentiment itself, we should all be okay with. And so I wonder how many people are, but the organization itself, most of the people running aren't even black. Like, so the NBA is definitely picking sides like i nhl did we skate or what did they say they didn't say black lives matter because it was an entity they just they kind of made their own term up that says the same thing but it's not representing a nonprofit organization so, kind of, so going back to your point about like taking the power right right that, that that's such a good example of the players coming together and taking the power back from the owners right because they felt for so long that they had given up their power and the owners could do whatever they wanted. So that was their opportunity to kind of say, Hey, this is what we want. And then the flip side of that is the fan said, okay, if that's what you want and this is what we want. So if we, so if we want a place that there are no, nothing political at all, and we don't want that at all. I would even be okay with no national anthem. We're not, you know, we're not going to watch. And so there's a lot of fans that did that. So that was their voice. And so you're right. going to see that in lower salaries. If if revenues do drop because people don't want to watch over these issues and that's the stand that they take, that's, that's what's hard. And so that's like, for me, coming back to like all of the conversations that we've had on the podcast and trying to 
understand something that I might not agree with. Like I'm totally okay because the NBA never once said they support the organization Black Lives Matter. I know a lot of people draw that conclusion, but they never once said that they did. In fact, they actually came out and said, we do not support the organization. But they put it on their court. So how, because that's a fine line right there. I don't, how can you say they don't say that, but then they paint it on all their courts? Because if I say Black Lives Matter, I don't, that doesn't have to, people automatically will assume it's the organization, but it doesn't need to be. Well, yeah, but that's just, to me, that would just be the NBA being dense then. Like it, it's like saying, it's like putting Walmart on there and saying that you don't support Walmart. No. So, so let me say this. It's like voting for Trump. When you do that, that automatically seems that you're okay with the way he is as a person. Right. But, but if you voted for Trump, you might have liked some of his policies and not him as a person. So you can separate those two. That's a little different, though. I, I don't mean, think it is. But, I mean, you're actually painting it. I don't think as a league you can say we don't. It, it is. It's like, very confusing. You can't say that you don't support it and then paint that on your and ulti- ultimately what it was, it was their way of trying to support the players, right? Right. And in the NBA specifically, it is whatever percentage black. It's the most out of any professional league right. that's out there. So that was their way of trying to support and come, once again, just trying to come together. Now, was it the best way to do it? You can argue that it wasn't, but it was at least a step in the right direction where they were trying to come together and trying to come but up a with a step in the right direction for who? For both sides. That For the players and the owners, but not the fans? Is what you're saying? It, 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 it can be, depending how you look at it. That's what right. I'm saying. I just don't like the whole... Well, and this is not my even original... I mean, I think everybody's got to kind of work that out. I think ultimately we're talking about this because of the whole... Like, what are going to make fans stop yeah. supporting this stuff? Poli- politics, I think, is such... Politics will do that. <laughs> yes. It's so divisive. And the problem is like the NBA, I think the NBA does 10 years or 20 years ago, the NBA was, I mean, one step above the NHL as far as, you know, power and influence in American sports. Mm-hmm. It was all baseball, football. Yep. But the sat, the scary thing is, especially in our political climate nowadays, like if you put your toe in that water and then people stop watching and then you stop and you go back that's why you should have never started in the first place with politics like let each team just like our government let each team do what they want to do right but as a league if you say we're going to jump into the political fray be ready leave yourself open because if you decide to get rid of black lives matter on the court because a bunch of people aren't coming anymore. Yeah. So next season, if it's not there, what happens? The people that were mad about black lives matter in the first place will still make fun of you and not like you. Cause you just flip flop. Right. And then the other half of people that are for it, right. Are going to be as mad as the other group. So that's why I think politics and sports just should never, it, we should have a place where that's just not shoved down our throats. And even the national anthem, like we're to the point now where it's like, okay, have we learned that 
politics and sports <laughs> don't mix. The players should be able to do it, and good for them. Like you use your platform. I they have great influence. You don't even have to agree with what they're saying. Like, but it's okay. I'm okay with them using their platform for that. That's I think that's a great thing. That's what America's all about. But as a league itself, like we need more things that I don't care what political party you support. We all love sports. I think it's a good like you don't go to Disneyland and see Trump signs or Biden signs or like Disneyland's we're just happy. <laughs> right? It's a happy place. We paid to get in to ride the rides you just and see have some fun. Lamb legs and corn dogs. That's right. It, and happiness, right? Bubbles everywhere. <laughs> kids using the bubble machines. Let's talk about inflation. <laughs> no shiz. Fifty dollars for a bubble machine? Come yeah, on now. It's almost as bad as NBA ticket prices. <laughs> but it's more expensive to go there. It totally. It's totally more expensive. <laughs> but I want to see a place where we can all kind of come together and forget all that crap. And I think sports has kind of always been that for us. And I, so it scares me a little bit that that they're getting into that. But And I think I think you'll see this next year. I think you'll see it return more to that. And I don't think it's because they're changing. I don't think because they're flipping or flopping. I just think that was... Huh? They're learning. They're learning. But I also think that was just their chance. Like, if you had a league that was whatever percentage it is that's black saying that this is a huge issue for us support us with all the stuff that happened at that time. I think that was them saying we support you right, right. now. If it's not on the floors, I don't think that that's them. They're not supporting you. Cause you can say, look, we are doing all of these other things. Right. And so actions speak louder than words. And so for me, it's like, I'm okay because they're supporting the people that they're with. And I'm okay with that. What percentage of, and maybe this is a uh, cynical, too cynical of a question, but I've been around a lot of athletes Mm -hmm. doing what I do, and I can tell you that there is a very strong percentage of them that don't give a crap about anything political. Mm -hmm. Like, how much of this is the cancel culture? Like, social media, and it's... Well, I think a lot, even in the NBA, I mean, you have how, like many, how many people, people that have never for, even voted before. Right. Like, they're are they doing it to be PC or are they doing it because they really care? The hard answer is both. Right. Well, right. right. And that's. But who is, but who is it to determine that? And that's why I think that's a impossible question to answer because you'll never, who am I to tell you if it's coming from a genuine place or not? Well, I guess my point with this is it all leads back to social media. (laughs) Well, think about it. It's where cancel culture comes from, right? Ultimately, it comes back to your original question. It all comes back to the dollar. And I guess, yes. That's what it all circles back around to. It's not the chicken before the egg. Mm -hmm. It comes back to the dollar. Because even social media, the reason we're talking about it, is because how much money these social media companies are making and how they're doing is by optimizing ads and all this kind of stuff. Right. But it all comes back to the reason these big monster AI systems exist is for profit. Right. And so ultimately yeah, it comes yes back to and money. Yes, no though because there's a very If attention didn't excuse one way. But if attention didn't equal profit, they wouldn't build those systems. Oh, of course. Oh, no, no, no. 
That I agree with. I'm yeah. not disagreeing with that. Yeah. I'm disagreeing with our opinions and beliefs as a a population, right? Mm-hmm. Being formed by something out of our own power. Okay. And I think that that all filters through all the way up to the NBA and everywhere else where it's like that is being pushed really hard. And if you don't agree with it, you're canceled. Correct. And it's so I feel like a lot of people, whether it be fans, players and on up, I just wonder how many of them have their own real opinions or have what is shoved down their throat every day with social media kind of forming it for them. I don't think they're any different than you and I. What do you mean? How many of us have our own opinions? That how many? That how oh, many? How 100%. many? You know, average people. And so I think it's just. I think it's a. It is the reality of the world in which we live that it's it's turning into the point where you can't just be like a passive, a passive person. Like you have to pick in, a side. Well, it's not not that you have to pick a side, but you have to be intentional about your cons- your consumption of information. Right. Like if you just kind of passively allow it to happen, wherever you are at your religious beliefs, your political beliefs, your race, it's all going to naturally lean one way. But wouldn't you say 80% of people on there aren't intentional about it? They're just uh-huh. letting it happen. For sure. And that's and that's the problem with our society and thing. everything that we talk about right. here is the fact that we are allowing ourselves to just kind of be passengers as opposed to yep. you know being captains on our ride. I would love for sports to be something that helps wake us up from that. And I think ultimately that's what this conversation is all about, right? It's maybe that's the thing that helps people form their own true opinion. It's like, Hey, I don't like this in sports or I don't like that in sports or I want to protect this or protect that. Like, why are we, why is everybody jumping on the same team instead of, and is my opinion my own, but it's hard, dude. If you're a 22 year old making 5 million a year, one, you're 22. You're not generally thinking about <laughs> intention, anything, right? You don't have a whole lot of experience in this area. Yeah. And, but now they've got massive power and influence. I would say more than ever before at that, in that age group. Right? Well, just look at social media. Who are the top people? The most influential people literally in the world are the Kardashians. Yeah. And holy <laughs> shit, that's scary. You know, I mean, that's what's wild. If that's not a mirror to our problems, <laughs> I don't know what is. Like, and I mean, there's always been that culture, that youth rebellious. It's and it's healthy. You know, I I like it, but but now anything that's not healthy for society, if it makes it viral, <laughs> yeah. It it has so much more power now than it ever did before. Yeah. Because it gets to all of us instantly. The distribution of that. It, and it's and and it really is ultimately up to Silicon Valley what is being let through and what isn't being through. Like we have twenty to thirty year olds really shaping what we're thinking. Right? If you allow it to. Well once again sometimes say- it's not even that because it, it's almost to the point where you don't really have a choice at what you see because so much of it is filtered out. I think most people would agree that there's a very, very steep left. Like Rogan's been talking about this a lot lately. Like there's a 
a very strong left lean to social media. For sure. And that's slightly scary because... But like I can tell you that like if I choose to, I don't have to experience yes. any of that. But most people aren't to the at the age that you are. You're right. You know what I mean? You're 36 years old. You have a wife and children. You own a business. Like you're very intentional about everything you do, but there's a massive, massive part of our population that's just kind of letting it, you know, just come right in because it's what's in front of them. Sure. And they're just doing it for the dopamine dump, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden their opinions start forming and they start getting louder. And that's what younger kids do. That's been like that since the beginning of time. You know, college kids protest, they go crazy. Yeah. Once they start having kids and actually working, they usually change political parties <laughs> and don't want taxes to go up anymore. Um, but it's but now it's so much more amplified because that group is bring, taking in so much information. So ultimately the sports thing was just interesting to me because it is to me I think a very it's like the Kardashians. It's a kind of a mirror into what's happening as a society. Like there are people at the top getting more money than we've ever seen in our history, but people at the bottom are probably going the opposite direction just they as, are, just as sure. fast. Yeah. And so at, how do we pump the brakes? And I think ultimately, just like in sports, the government's the same way. I think we all feel like we're on the ride and we just kind of have to hold on. There's not a whole lot we can do. And I think that's if like to change the big, if there's nothing else, it's just like we've always talked about, like where does the change start? The change starts with you as a person, right. with your family, with your house. So all of these things, it's, you know, educate yourself, right? So the financial world, it's financial literacy. That's why there's a financial literacy course coming to you very soon. It's a really exciting company <laughs> uh, out of Utah. Um, but for real though, it's like political, it's educate yourself, right? right. But and something that I'll always for I'll remember what Tim Drisdom said when we had our talk with him was, I always find someone who doesn't agree with me, and I ask him why. You know, so that that's that's stuck with me. So everything, all of this stuff that we are saying, I try to find someone who believes differently than I do, that I respect, right? And I ask them why. Well, what's sad is when you do that, you usually realize you have a lot more in common than exactly, and that. That's what we're losing. And so the solution to all of this is that that Get rid of, form cell of that form of communication, <laughs> that open and honest form of communication with someone who thinks differently than you without judging them and labeling them. For sure. Right? Because to your point, when we really do, like we're usually pretty surprised. We feel really close to the same. Cause like it would be really easy to say, oh, you voted for that person. We have nothing alike. And the problem is that's what the media paints it as. Right. right? Well, and that's what social media, like people on social media don't go to the middle. Like it's people because on it doesn't media, get any attention. You know, it talks about it all the time. Like right. the attention, it's the attention economy now. And so if you are logic level headed in the middle or even just talking face to face, you know, that doesn't get any You could be the biggest left leaning person against the biggest right leaning person and you'll have a blast together like that Mm -hmm. and you'll find a ton of common ground but again it all boils back to media and that's 
I think sports, I love sports. You love sport. It, it's just something that it really reflects us as a society. What's going on in sports reflects what is going on in, in our society. And it's, I, I, I guess I just don't really like where it's going. Right. But I, it's funny as we talk through all this stuff, it all really does lead back to one place and it's, how do we fix all that? Obviously we're not going to answer that question, but it's, you know, I think you fix it with communication. Well, right. And, but unfortunately the only way we're communicating now is, you know, through that social media, social media is a huge part of our actual communication. Sure. But like even that, like once again, even that, like if you're scared to put an opinion on social media, that doesn't match. Like it's like my post about from Bam Bam's the other day on Twitter. Like, there's so much I want to say, but I can't. That's real. Like, and that's that's scary. But I think you can communicate outside of that kind of stuff too. Like find someone and you can open up dialogues with someone privately via right. social media to have conversations. You know and what even I mean? Then it's scary because they can just screenshot it and put it on social media. It is scary, right? Yeah. But I mean, that's that's the risk, right? You take when you want to try and do anything different or try to make anything better, there's always going to be a risk. Right. And so I think that's the risk that you take. Well, I think it says a lot about kind of our constitution to how important the founding fathers thought freedom of speech was Mm -hmm. like there is a lot of censorship right now and it is creating a lot of divide. I just, I think that with social media, there's so much good with it. We've been talking a lot about that lately, but, I think we got to get to the point where you can't you can't choose one side of a conversation and put that out there and not allow the other side to be put it put out there as well. Yeah. You can't if our constitution says freedom of speech then these private companies we've got to figure out a way for them to adhere to that, right? And so It'll be, both it, sides need to be heard and they need to, I don't want anybody to ever have to fear saying what they believe in and getting canceled, but that's where we're at. That is for sure where we're at. It's crazy. And so it's, I wonder if that's fixable, I guess. And we have talked about this a lot lately. I, the government's not good at fixing things generally. I, I, with any big problem, I think it's an evolution, right? That it hopefully s- starts changing. And right. I'm going to say it again. It sounds super dumb, but you start with your kids. You teach them, hey, you don't blame other people for your problems. Own your problem. Like there's, sure. there's so many little things. And so you teach them as they grow up to not have this cancel culture mentality. And what does that take? That takes very intentional parenting, which is really hard. Lots of energy. Just like with technology we talked about with Sarah, like, Right. It's way easier. It's just it's way easier. <laughs> like three filters. Yeah. Oh. Like it's way easier. Or with Kristen about the sex conversation. Right. It's easier to put it off and try to have one conversation and wipe your hands and say I did my job, right? Or with everything. And that's where I think ultimately what it does is it comes back to it's a lot more work and effort, but I think the reward is also a lot greater if you put in the time and effort. And so I think it just comes back to us being willing to do that and then choosing which of these areas, because you can't do everything. So you just choose what are the most important for you. 
right whether it's youth sports hammer those home you know whether it's political whether it's whatever it is everyone's got their thing that to them means more than the person next to you and being okay that it like if you care so much about sports be okay that i don't yeah right you know what i mean like the fact that that you know that's okay that, absolutely that's what makes well, that's the, what makes everything great but that's but that's the problem too we have is so many people like if you don't agree with me that i'm against you and it's like no we don't we don't need to feel that and it is the sad kind of circle of life right i mean our history is we're living we're doing exactly what every other great society has done and it it, it just gets to the point where you know well there's so many people that don't have like we got to Social for some reason that kind of takes over. You know, if you look at all the great empires and societies before ours, they usually end up in some sort of communism or socialism. Everybody needs to have you know a few too many people are rich, and I hope we don't make the same mistake. It, but I feel like it's it's going that way again, and maybe it's just supposed to. Maybe that's how you keep the world in balance. Is it's just like us with our trials, right? A lot of times our trials make us hit our knees and start thinking about the bigger picture and whether it's God or whatever else you believe in. It yeah. grounds us and makes us realize we can't do it on our own and good comes from it. And so maybe we're at that point where it's just like we're all going to hit a wall and it'll bring us closer together. But I don't know. I don't like it. And I think that sports, it's just a fun way. to. For me, it's just an easier way to look at it, I guess, just because it's something that I really enjoy. It's something I care about. And it to me, it's reflecting a much bigger problem than just ticket prices and salaries yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But I like what you just said because it might even go further than social media to are we to the point now where we just want everything for nothing? Like everything's so easy now. Like we don't even have to leave our house to get our groceries anymore. Like if you think about it, we live in the most like comfortable, like we're in a pandemic, right? Do you think like, think of 19, was it 1912 Spanish flu? Was that when I was in 1918? Think if they had DoorDash, (laughs) like they're like trying to survive and we're just like, ugh. (sighs) I guess I'll just order McDonald's. I'm hungry. You know, and so I don't know. I just, it is what comes first, chicken or the egg. Are we the problem or is our form of communication, which is social media, <laughs> our problem? Right? I mean, I, I, like you said, if you talk face to face somebody, it's a much different conversation than yeah. if you talk to them on Twitter. So I know that there's no end to these conversations, there's no, they could just keep going in a loop. But I just, I find it really interesting right now. I feel like we're at some sort of a tipping point, I guess. At least that's what I'm starting to feel. And so. Do you think that's because of the election? No, I'm kind of over the election. I haven't really thought about the election. I'm more worried about society and as a whole or our country as a whole. Like, I feel like the election brought out a lot of our problems. You know what I mean? And so. I'm trying not to take a cynical view. I I don't I think the second we start feeling like there's nothing we can do about it is when we just go correct to that's, crap. And that's yeah. Right. So I think talking about it and keeping it relevant is a good thing. But 
I also think that a lot of people are just kind of burying their head in the sand too. And that's, that's scary to me or that's sad to me. Yeah. So I guess maybe it is the election, but I think it just brought out, man, it's been an ugly, well, that and the pandemic. It's been a, 2020 has been quite the year. <laughs> right. And I don't know if I like what, I think most people would agree they don't really like what they're seeing, you know, with us as a country going through what we're going through right now. So, you know, how does it end up? Or how do we, how does it look a year from now? Do you think it's over in a year? The pandemic? Yeah. Or, yeah. Do you think, do you think we're back to normal in a year? Holy cow. Like no masks and everything's in stock at the grocery store <laughs> and people are going back to work. I don't know. Brent, you do? I don't know either. You know what? That's the comment we want to this week. I would love to hear what people, like, what's your thought? Maybe we'll do a poll on our Instagram and Twitter, like zero to six months, six to 12. Like, when are things back to where they were in January? Yeah. It's so funny because it just seems like a different world. It almost feels like it's never going to go back to that. I hate the term new normal. I do because it's so overused. It's so overused. <laughs> this is the new normal. <laughs> like, I hope not because if this is the new normal, like, it's going to suck. <laughs> like, to me, this all feels like we're just, we're doing what we have to do to get through it to get back to normal. But from the look on your face, you don't, I don't know that you think it's going to be done in under a year. The longer it goes, the less I believe it's ever going to return to how it was. Right. And I don't say that in a bad way. There will be a lot of good that comes and out so, of this, obviously. Like, like 2020, once again, like going back to Stephanie, you know, you get to decide the meaning of events in your life. Right. Like 2020 has been a That hard, was such a healthy episode, by the way. You know, like it's been a hard year, but honestly, for me, it's been such a fantastic year because it has, it's, it's given me the opportunity. It's given me time to think about stuff. I've right. had conversations I've never had before. Yeah, You've had a lot of change in your business this year, you know? And so like, depending on how you look at it, I think it, you can determine. And so do I think it's going to go back? Honestly, the truth is I hope it doesn't like I'm in what way, like, what do you hope does not, you know, go back to the way it was before. Do you have any like specifics? Right off the top of your head? No, because it's not a lot of the things that we're dealing with, the masks, the social distancing, the sickness, the death, all of that stuff I want gone. Like, sure. I don't want any of that sticking around. Sure. Right. And this is a crappy example, but maybe what I'm talking about, I want your drive through to always be open. <laughs> yes. Right. You can heal souls. <laughs> but like. It's a crappy example, but it's kind of what I'm talking about. No, like those right. types of things that we've had to do right. or, you know, I hope that I have a chance to spend more time with my kids that's been forced on me, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. right? But I hope I keep that. I hope I make that intentional decision keep to priority. spend more time with my family right. and, you know, realize I can accomplish. So maybe corporate America changes after this. I think it changes a lot. Like we can do this a lot more of this from home and we can keep families together. Well, and I think you'll see like new businesses starting and other businesses 
that might fade away because they haven't kept up with these changes, right? And so right. I think in that sense, it's going to be sad, but I think it's also going to give opportunity for this next stage of you know our economy and what it's, that looks like. It's evolution, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in the sense that it really is like a new business is not going to... Anybody starting a business now is going to open like, okay, if the pandemic happens again. Any restaurant's going to have a drive-thru right now. They're all going to have a drive-thru. And they're going to have delivery. They're all going to have delivery services. (laughs) They're all going to try to do it as cost-effective as possible. Mm -hmm. But technically, you should... The flip side of that is, but maybe they're not because that's why 80% of restaurants fail Like because people just make the same mistakes over and over again. But... The ones that are going to stick around if they don't do those things and they can't run efficiently. Yeah. And, you know, maybe to your point, that's true too. People aren't going to spend so much money to start a business. They'll they'll feel safer and starting more in a more frugal way. Like so many restaurants will spend so much money to have every little flight fixture perfect. But all those restaurants are gone. Mm-hmm. Like all the fine dining places in New York, those were the ones that went first because mm-hmm. they run such a high you know, their cost of goods is just so high. And so, yeah, maybe it does make us all more like the, the spirit of entrepreneurship. I love it. And I hope that that's what in, inspires people to do. I think that they lose the, a big one. the security of the corporate America that they've, it really is a false sense of security because at any time, isn't that funny? Cause that's know? why people don't start businesses. Is yeah. They always use that term security. Like that, I want a paycheck. It's a big warm blanket until it's there until it's not coronavirus hits. And it's like, Oh, well crap. Now what am I going to do? They lock the doors, but I, you can still have like an entrepreneur spirit inside of a corporation, right? You just, you, sure. you evolve in how you look at your job. But I heard a quote. Here's our quote for the day. Ooh. History doesn't repeat itself. Humans do. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> what an awesome quote because you're right. It, we always say history repeats itself, but that is a way better way to say it. Humans do. It's just, and maybe we're supposed to, you know, I guess that's the other thing. It takes a long time to learn. If you're looking at it from a spiritual sense, like if you're a Christian, for example, if, if God is our, you know, most important, you know, our, I don't want to get waxed too religious here, but, it's these are all cycles that have to happen to keep us growing mm-hmm. and learning and you know being better and so our work life is no different than our spiritual life mm-hmm. in that sense our parenting our life as parents are no different like we need to be more intentional and spend more time at home and put that time in it. we we just need more balance yep and this is almost forcing that so hopefully you're right hopefully we look back and say hey look at how many things got better because of it i mean we were a real shiz show during (laughs) but i really do think that if this would have happened in the first year of trump's presidency or whoever's presidency i think the fact that this happened on an election year made it even well there's made it 50 times worse made an election year and trump's election year (laughs) like let's not pretend that he wasn't like one of right the most polarizing divisive oh, dudes of course ever to come across the I will absolutely I will absolutely admit to that like I I'm not a huge fan like on paper I like a lot of what he's done yeah for and, sure but 
man, he's a total, he's, he's a douche. Let's just be honest. You know, it's like you, you bring all of these outside factors in. It was, it's been just like this crazy, perfect storm of well, all and how, of this stuff. How much is he responsible for the media being the way they are right now? Cause they probably, it's like, we got to get the big guns out. Cause look what he says, look what he does. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. It became world war three in social media, but it all kind of filtered down to us. Mm-hmm. And it really did. Like there were, you know, the George Floyd thing, the whole, I think all of those are a result of the negativity and the divisiveness uh-huh. that we're seeing every single day. Yeah. And so hopefully this wakes us up from that. But I mean, at the end of the day, the reason I am not scared is because I know I can, I have more control over my over myself than probably I realize. Right. And if things do change around me, I have confidence that I can adapt and change with it to where it's always going all I have confidence that I'll always figure a way out. Right. We'll put it that way. Right. But how many people don't have any control like that? I don't think those it, are the ones that I'm worried about. Yes, but I think everyone has the control if you like to a certain extent, like, well, I'm just saying like right now with the pandemic, there are so many people that they don't have the means to start a business. Yeah. Right. Or the know-how and there's nobody hiring right now because, but like everyone can get on social media and start doing something Like right. there's so many different ways you can start. It's just, but those are hard when you have, you know, oh, kids I, to feed at home. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And I'm not discount. I'm, what I'm saying is like, we're at a spot where we have more, we can do more than sometimes we realize we a lot. Can do. I would say a lot more. Right. And like you said, to your point earlier, if once you go back to work, now, you know, you need to have a little side hustle going on uh-huh. or plan B, or you need to start saving more money uh-huh. and, you know, be ready for a rainy day. I mean, as far as like the LDS church goes, like us here in Utah, we've kind of been taught that our whole lives. Like you need to have a few months of money savings or is, what is it six months is that the mm-hmm. new guideline right now brent i know you memorized it <laughs> it's like nope i don't know <laughs> but yeah i mean you got to be ready for these things to happen because they're going to happen uh-huh. and all, all things considered this has still been pretty easy to deal with as far as it's not like we can't get, i mean i flew to a football game yesterday i mean it was pretty awesome yeah so it's it's not like we're all shut down like great depression or you know the spanish flu it's it's pretty easy compared to all that but next time you go back to work you have to you have to live like this could go away tomorrow Mm -hmm. and so the whole entrepreneurship you might be right we might see more businesses start i hope so especially now with social media i mean that's the that's one of the great parts of it barrier of entry is so you don't need a store Mm -hmm. you don't need a look you don't need to pay rent like you can work you can start a an international company from your garage right you can yes that's the thing is there's so many people with cool stories where how many of our guests started this way right it wasn't in a pandemic but betty's i wanted a better way to make a bed and look what they've turned into susan with freshly picked right i wanted better shoes for my kids you know what i mean like so the opportunity has always been there. I just hope that it helps us. 
I don't know. I think the entrepreneur spirit is what America is. 100%. Right? Well, and and maybe you're not so scared to make the jump now because you've been through a hard thing. You might not have your more. There's more risk in just depending on a company to give you your paycheck. Because if that's your only, if you're putting all your eggs in that basket. Well, and that basket might not be there. So you might be forced to do something else right now. Of course. And so it's like, what do you have to lose? And like you said, barriers to entry are so like the cost is low. I mean, your store can be online for free. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't need any money other than to just make your product. And I would say that there's enough people out there that are making. Well, I it's mean, crazy right now. You can rich are getting richer right now. You can go find a product right now and drop ship it to someone. So you never even pay for it. Right. You just, you just broker the sale between two people and then you make a profit on it. Like, so well, you weren't even had any financial risk at all. At all. And, and borrowing money. That's the other thing is I would say to start a small, you know, a small business out of your garage. There are so many people that would give you a couple thousand bucks to start that Mm -hmm. and, you know, be a part of it. Like, don't be scared to ask because there are people that will do that all day long Mm because, you know, we're at the point in society now where you don't need a bank. You don't need a couple hundred thousand dollars to start a business like we always thought that we did. I mean, if you need a thousand dollars for materials to make whatever you want to sell, that's all you need to ask for. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so. Well, even with Kickstarter now. You can sell an idea and raise hundreds of thousands of dollars without even a product. You can sell it on an idea. Isn't that crazy? See, and that, ultimately, I love that we're ending on this because those are the things that we need to remember are happening every day, right? People are, people are good. People want to help other people start things. Look at every time there's a sad story about somebody passing away and there's a GoFundMe on there. You click on it, and it's got thousands and thousands of dollars from hundreds and hundreds of people mm-hmm. that they're all struggling to, and they'll help you get started. So you have to ask for help, though. Yep. And I think half of most therapy is probably getting learning to learning to to do that. Uh huh. Not be stubborn. Realize that we're all here to help each other out. And so, yeah. Hopefully, that's the bright side that comes out of all this stuff. Yeah. So, all right. To close. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Because there, there should be, this should, you should be able to look back and find something positive. Right. And I think we will. I think we will. Well, just to close, let's, let's talk about bachelorette. I'm just kidding. I was like, I was like, hold on. Whoa. (laughs) No, I really, I liked this conversation. It's so funny. Whenever we do these, no guests, it's good for us. I think that it's nice for us to just be able to kind of, let out whatever yeah. we're we're thinking about at the moment but um but yeah i i i was a little worried that we were going to get too dark so i like where this ended cuz i need it like i'm sure everybody does mm-hmm. everybody needs to feel the positive effects of or be reminded of what good can come from a situation and right now it's really hard to remember yeah, all that for sure and so and we do have the bachelorette on tuesday nights and that should cheer everyone up. Makes everything better. It really does. Like you just, oh my gosh, what a show. Are you watching it? We've watched, I don't know if we're up to date on it. It's pretty good. A bunch of crazy people. <laughs> Do you have any shows lately that you're watching before we close this out? Any shows that have just Hallmark Christmas movies right now? You watch those? <laughs> Wait, do you watch those? Sure, they're on, of course. <sighs> 
You're such a good husband. <laughs> They're all the same. Every one of them. They are all the same. City person, country person, come together, meet. <laughs> City person's more important. They go back. They get in a fight. Realize it was an accident. Come back. Make up. They almost kiss, but then someone interrupts them. Then they get back together and they kiss under snow. I just did every Hallmark movie ever. Under, <laughs> yes. Every Hallmark, snow or that, some weather and then all or of a sudden, rain. And then it just ends. <laughs> it's just over. <laughs> then, yeah, they're like, they were happily married for eight years. <laughs> and now they're dating again. So I started, I'm going to admit this. I'm going to tell you about a show that I would have never, ever given a chance to, but I am absolutely hooked. And it's, it's pretty much on par with admitting that you watched The Bachelorette. If you ever watched The Crown. Oh, you talked about that the other day. Holy crap. <laughs> I've watched, yeah, I think I watched 10 more episodes with on my flights. So if you haven't watched The Crown, it's pretty fascinating. So that's my new show. So yeah, Bachelorette and The Crown, that's pretty much what's keeping me entertained at home. No, no new shows. No new shows? I've kind of fallen out of shows. I'll just watch whatever Jenna watches, so whatever show she's into. I wish I could be as chill as you. <laughs> just like be able to just go with the flow like Andrew does. I just can't. I just can't do it. Yeah. All right. But, I mean, I'm also asleep by nine o'clock every night, so. <laughs> that's true. I only see the first 10 minutes of whatever she watches. <laughs> I know. It's pretty much nine o'clock when you finally get your peace time right as uh -huh. a parent to be able to watch shows but yep. brent you any new shows brent is gonna have a new baby tomorrow he will have four children under the age of five starting wow. tomorrow good luck good luck with that <laughs> holy crap everyone send your prayers to brent i mean at least it'll all be done you know like you'll empty nest pretty fast which is kind of that's an advantage but i don't know if we would have made it if we had four just boom 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 It'd be really scary. I mean, we weren't too much more spread out. You were definitely closer, but we were two, 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 and almost three years break between. So we didn't ever have a oh, huge okay. break. Yeah. So we took a five. We had our first two were only a year and a half apart. And then we took, I think, four or five years off. Yeah. And then we had two again. Which, so I'm glad we did it that way. But yeah, the first two will be gone. We'll be like, geez, these other two little punks are just starting high school i can't do this anymore all right well we're happy for you brent we're excited to meet wait boy do you have a name can we talk about it cameron i knew it just don't <laughs> spell it with a k <laughs> cameron andrew that hey that'd be pretty cool his last one was andrew the last one was andrew not because of him of course it was I mean, that's not a bad guy to name your kid after. I'd name a kid after. I have two really, I mean, my best friend's name, like, I've got two very important people in my life named Andrew, and they're both great. They both bring me lots of joy. So, well, good luck, brother. We love you all. Thanks for the comment. Oh, wait, comment. Comment on how much longer until life goes back to normal. And say nice things oh. about our podcast. <laughs> say nice things about us. Give us five stars. And use our codes. Nitty gritty. Everywhere. We love you. See you next week.